and welcome to another edition of the Men Insights Podcast, coming to you guys a little later than usual. Hope you've been having a wonderful weekend, and that you will have an even better holiday week coming up. And as always, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, YouTube, wherever you can find the Men Insights Podcast, and follow me on Twitter at IamFossilDude for all the fun podcast updates that I always post on there. Almost always exclusively. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was supposed to have recorded this Friday evening and then have it uploaded for Saturday, but then I decided I was going to push it back to uploading for Sunday, and I didn't get to record it on Friday night like I originally planned to. Instead, I'm recording it uh, late Saturday, early Sunday. It's actually almost 1.30 Sunday morning. Just finished watching Saturday Night Live with Eddie Murphy as the host, and it was fucking hilarious. The uh, first episode of Saturday Night Live that I've watched, I think, uh, in a in, in yeah a year since uh, Jason Momoa hosted last year, yeah, yeah. Because I used to be a big fan of SNL, and now I don't care <laughs> like I used to. So yeah, and if you if you get a chance to watch it, please do. Eddie Murphy was perfect. It was awesome. I loved it. Uh, I wish SNL could be hilarious like that more often. And, uh, but yeah, I'm recording this late Saturday, early Sunday, and this episode, of course, is my pay-per-view recap, where I'll be discussing the results of the Tables, Ladders, and Chairs pay-per-view from last weekend, as well as the Fallout on Raw and SmackDown. And, not gonna waste any more time, so let's just get right into this thing. Alright, WWE TLC, as I said, happened one week ago today, and uh, overall, i got to say, it was a pretty good pay-per-view. Uh, uh, I'm going to run down the matches one by one uh, on here. I do have my notes gathered that I typed up throughout the week, and I got six of my predictions correct, which is much better than I usually do, so I would say it's a pretty nice way to end my pay-per-view predictions for 2019 and for this decade of 2010 to 2019. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail for every single match, but I hope you enjoy hearing what I have to say talking about these matches. Uh, first up, we have the kickoff match that was announced, uh, I believe, the, Saturday, the day before on Saturday. Uh, it's Andrade versus Humberto Carrillo, and this was a very good match, very good match. And I would even say uh, Umberto's best match since coming to Raw. And, uh, I mean, both, uh, both men are just the, some of the best that WWE's had in a very long time. And was very good. A lot of very fast-paced, hard-hitting, high-flying. And uh, Andrade was a little bloody during this match. Uh, didn't notice exactly what caused that to happen, but it definitely added that little element of drama to the match. And the fans were hot for this match throughout from start to finish, which... You know, it does help the experience uh, to make it even better because sometimes it can be a great match, but if the fans are not into it, you know, it does kind of take you out of it if you're watching at home. Um, and Umberto eventually did win the match, you know, but afterwards they were teasing some more dissension between Andrade and Zelina Vega. And I really, really hope that they won't split them up because as great as Andrade is in the ring, 
he desperately needs Selena or Zelina, sorry, to do the promos for him because, you know, that language barrier being a big issue for him. He does speak English, not the greatest, but to cut the pro kind of promos he would need to for WWE, he needs he needs Vega as his mouthpiece. He really does. Plus, they're just an awesome pair. I don't want them to ever break up. And then, kicking off the pay-per-view properly, we had The New Day versus The Revival in a ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, which that was added, I, th I late last minute, like around, I think they announced it late Friday or early Saturday last week as well. Uh, and it was a really, really, really good match to kick off the pay-per-view, or the main card of the pay-per-view. Um, uh, not really sure exactly how I can describe the match, uh, to give you guys the best idea of how good it really was. Uh, all I can say was that, you know, if, you, if you've seen the other ma ladder matches that the New Day have been part of uh, in the past, I believe they had their first time in a ladder match as, as the New Day, because of, of course Kofi Kingston's been in so many Money in the Bank ladder matches. Uh, was at the TLC 2015 pay-per-view where it was a triple threat tag team ladder match with uh, against the the uh, Lucha Dragons um, um, and uh, the Usos, uh, which was that was a fun match, a really ex fun and exciting match. Um, and again, that's all I can really say is to just check out the match for yourselves and decide if you thought it was good or bad. Um, but New Day retained, and I had a good time watching it, that's for damn sure. And then after that, we had Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy, and this was a great, great, great match. I would even go as far as to say it was the match of the night. At least to me it was. You know, it had me sucked in from start to finish. I was really into it. The fans were into it from start to finish. It was, it was, I mean... I mean, the fans, like I said, they were hot for the, like they were hot for Andrade and Umberto, but they were really hot for this match from start to finish. Like, I mean, I mean, you know, you would expect to see this kind of match more on like NXT with the way they were going, but it was showcased on a much bigger stage than uh, these guys are used to, I guess. And they more, they were more than deserving of that. They deserved that spotlight, and they got plenty of time to showcase their skills. And Alistair, he got a bloody nose as well in this match. I uh, don't remember exactly what caused that, again, just like with Andrade and Umberto. And it did add that element of drama, uh, which, I mean, again, was a great match between these two. And that little bit of blood that was added into that, you know, was pretty cool. I love that. And, and the match was... This, this was a match that I honestly would have felt satisfied with either man winning because I am a big fan of both, as you already know, and you know heard me talking about it on the predictions podcast from last from well at this point it'll be a little over a week ago now. Um, <coughs> excuse me, and also pre on previous podcasts that I've discussed with them. And get me a little drink right there, thank you. Uh, and then, but the W would eventually go to Aleister Black, but I don't think Buddy Murphy will be hurt at all uh, by this loss because this year has been a really good year for him. I mean, and he had a great run as a Cruiserweight Champion. He has had some really standout matches on Raw and SmackDown throughout the summer, especially like the match that he had with Roman Reigns, the matches that he's had with Cedric Alexander. 
uh, he, he's been doing very well. He has. Um, like I said in my predictions podcast, I hope that he can get a good, solid push towards the United States Championship. Uh, or if he goes, or if they decide to send him over to SmackDown for the IC, have him go for the IC title. You know, either way, you know, the, it, it, things are looking up for both men. Then afterwards, we had uh, the Viking Raiders in their open challenge match uh, for the Raw Tag Team Championship, which was answered by the OC, which I love the OC, and this was, and this was a good match. Their matches usually are. I just love that, or sorry, not love, I just, I just wish, rather, that would have been somebody else instead of the OC because they've had so many matches with the OC. And again, as great as the ma- as good as those matches are, and I've enjoyed them. I love both teams. You know, give me a little variety every now and then. But anyways, I mean, I really enjoyed the match a lot, and it, and it it did it felt like it was a the on track to be one of the best matches of the night. But then they had that double countout finish, and it just pissed me off and pissed off the fans that were in the Target Center, and it was just. Yeah, I mean, because this could have been, you know, like a, a potential show-stealer kind of match. You know, and even though the Raiders didn't actually win the match, I did technically get the prediction correct because they still came out of a tag team champion. So, you know, another thing about that is that they had the, the, a, a table set up ringside with the four fans, apparently, that, that they were eating KFC during the match, and it was a little weird, you know. But eventually, you know, Eric and I, they put Carl Anderson through the table and landed on top of some of the food that was on there. Uh, plus, you know, actually did make me a little hungry for some KFC at the moment. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I love chicken, so shouldn't be surprised to anybody. <laughs> but anyways, then we had uh, our first TLC match. It was Roman Reigns versus King Corbin. And this one, you know, unlike most TLC matches, this one was not... Uh, for any championship, it was a win by pinfall or submission TLC match. Uh, so, kind of like if you were you know, playing one of the WWE games, like smack, like one of the older SmackDown, shut your mouth or here comes the pain, where you can win a TLC match uh, with pinfall. And that's how this one was. And it went pretty much as, you know, we all expected it to, you know. But it was a good match, you know, at least I thought it was. You know, but nothing really that big happened in this match. Yeah, and King Corbin did win after being helped by Dolph Ziggler and the Revival and, you know, a bunch of other people that I think happened. Uh, so I guess this, you know, that means, this means that the feud isn't over just yet, and we're going to see at least one or two or 1,500 more matches out of these two. Uh, and then we had Bray Wyatt versus The Miz, and... I gotta say, I absolutely love that we got to see the sweater-wearing Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt uh, in a match because it was different, it was refreshing, um, and it's just another great element to the character of Bray Wyatt, and you know, it helps to maintain that mystique and the aura of the Fiend and keep him special so that we don't overexpose and oversaturate him, you know, and his entrance was great because he came out with the Firefly Funhouse music and and his behavior during the entrance was the complete opposite of the fiend. I mean, he was engaging with the the, the fans. He was, you know, just acting like so happy. Like he even got on top of the commentator table and he was saying, "I'm so excited to be here." And then you know, shaking fans' hands and even took a selfie with one person sitting ringside. It was awesome. Uh, and then the match itself, I mean, it wasn't anything spectacular. 
but it was fun, you know. I mean, it didn't it didn't need to be you know a super over the top thing for it to be enjoyable because it was definitely enjoyable. Um, and Brave, he just basically got his ass kicked the whole time, and and he was smiling the whole time. Like Miz was just beating the shit out of him from 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 as soon as the bell rang, and he was just smiling during the whole thing. Like he like when the bell rang, he even was pleading with Miz, saying like, you know, you don't have to do this kind of thing. Um, but he was yeah, he was smiling and laughing, and at one point he went out outside the ring because like you know I guess like there was, it was like his shoulder was dislocated, and he started ramming himself into the to the security barrier. Uh, and then Miz eventually, you know, went out there to meet with him, and you know, Bray hit him with a sister Abigail hanging off of the the rail, the guardrail, and hit him with another sister Abigail inside the ring, for, and, and got the pinfall. And then an image of the Fiend popped up on the Titantron, and uh, Bray went outside under to look under the ring and got his little Firefly Firefly Funhouse mallet from under the ring that we saw at the Hell in a Cell pay per view. That you know, nothing really came of that. Um, and he was going to use it on the Miz, but then the lights started to flicker and, you know, do the sound effects that it would be like if the Fiend was going to arrive, and, you know, Bray was getting excited, he's like, he's here, he's here, um, and instead we got the return of Daniel Bryan sporting his old school American Dragon look with the buzz cut and the stubblish kind of beard. And it proceeded to beat the ever-loving shit out of Bray Wyatt, and clearly, this story is not done just yet. And I'm very much looking forward to it. And then we have followed this one up with Rusev versus Bobby Lashley in a tables match, and it was a much better match than I think any of us expected it to be. I mean, it was a hard-hitting match. It, to me, it kicked. It was a pretty good kick-ass kind of match, and you know, it, like it, ne it needed to be that kind of match. And I was rooting for Rusev throughout the whole damn thing because I love Rusev. I really do. Uh, and after all, it was happening on Rusev Day. So, um, but of course, even on Rusev Day, we can't be left happy because Bobby Lashley eventually would win after power slamming Rusev through a table. And you know. And who knows if this is going to be the definitive end of the Rusev, Lashley, Lana storyline. We'll just have to wait and see what happens over the next few weeks. And then we closed the pay-per-view, or the main event of the pay-per-view, with the Kabuki Warriors versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships in a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Two consecutive years that TLC is main evented by the women, and just like last last year's main event was triple threat with Becky, Charlotte, and Asuka. Uh, and I was very excited for this match. I really was. I mean, it was a TLC match featuring four of my favorite women in WWE. So of course I was going to be excited for this match. I was, you know, really anticipating. But then when the match actually happened, uh, it just felt very off. I don't know. What it was, it just felt really off. I mean, it had some good spots. It really did. I mean, so I especially like the part when Asuka and Kairi saying that they tied up Becky Lynch to the ladder uh, on the outside. That was pretty cool. I did like that. It was a very unique spot. But um, but about halfway through the match, uh, kind of took a big nosedive and just could not recover from it at all. Uh, but I did read that, you know, at some point uh, Kairi... I might have been concussed during the match. I think it was probably when, uh, when they were slamming their heads on like the the tables and stuff, and like maybe like the monitor at one of the announcer tables hit Kyrie in the head and it knocked her loopy. 
I don't know. You know, but she was definitely very out of it towards the end of the match, you know. And just, yeah, just, it just felt like it was going on forever and ever and ever. And it's not the, really the fault of the, the, you know, them, because they're all great athletes. They're great wrestlers. Just something was just off, you know. You know, eventually the Kabuki, Kabuki Warriors did come out victorious after Asuka powerbombed Charlotte through a table and then climbed up the ladder to grab the belts, which... You know, we were happy that it was over and Asuka won. So technically, she's so you can say she's actually undefeated at TLC because she had her main debut at TLC 2017 against Emma, and she beat her. She won the triple threat women's title match last year at TLC, and then she won the tag team title TLC match. So yeah, Asuka's undefeated at TLC. And then the pay-per-view closed with Roman Reigns and New Day brawling in the crowd with King Corbin, Revival, and Dolph Ziggler because reasons. And again, like I said, overall, I thought the show was actually, you know, really good. And one of the better pay-per-views that WWE's had all year. But it's just, that main event. Yeah, just so. It should, it, it should have been a match of the year candidate. It should have been an instant match of the year candidate. But just, I don't know, just sometimes, you know, you, sometimes they, they just have off days. They do. But still, it was a really good pay-per-view. Alright, um, Monday Night Raw, uh, the night after TLC, and I'm gonna be honest with you guys, I didn't see the first 40 minutes of Raw because I was playing The Last of Us and lost track of time, so I missed that opening promo with Seth Rollins and the Viking Raiders and OC rematch, and I also didn't care much uh, to pay attention to the Eric Rowan jobber match that happened after all that, so moving on. Um. We did get a, vi a vignette for Liv Morgan, uh, you know, to build up to her big comeback. And I mean, it was not at all what I would have expected for her, you know, big hype up, you know, vignette. But I, th I think that's a good thing because you know, subvert expectations, you know. Uh, and I'm actually very intrigued by it because now it has me even more curious to find out exactly what the. F they're gonna do with her when she does come back plus she looks fucking hot but then again she always does <sighs> and then we had the Bobby Lashley Lana segment um, just basically to sum this up uh, Lana asked Lashley to ask her to marry him or as she said it's just I, I you know will you ask me to marry me is what she said, which is just very confusing. Um, and yeah, the whole thing was as bad as you would expect it to be, but at the same time, it was like so bad it's good. Like it's, it's getting like that. The, the whole storyline is to me getting into that area of so bad it's good. I hate that it hit, that I feel that way, but that's that's how I feel. Um, and yeah, they're gonna have a wedding. Uh, I think this tomorrow night on Raw, so, yeah, yay. Um, but anyways, um, then we had a gauntlet match for, to determine a number one contender for the United States Championship, and it kicked off with R-Truth taking on Akira Tazawa, which was a decent way to start off the match, because, you know, it was gonna be, like, like 30 minutes, maybe even longer, depending on how many people were, were you know, scheduled to be in the match. 
Uh, and eventually, Tozawa picked up the pin, and then the rest of the Raw locker room ran out there to chase R-Truth to get that 24-7 championship. And then up came out, uh, was Ricochet. So, you know, the match was gonna, you know, the volume was gonna be turned up a little more for this one. Uh, and there were high-flying moves all over the place, kept it exciting, and not leaving much room to catch your breath, and Ricochet eventually picked up the pinfall for that, and then the next superstar to enter the fight was Matt Hardy, who is rumored to be finishing up with WWE very soon, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. Anyways, uh, this was a lot of fun to watch, you know, at least to me it was, you know, to me, it felt like I was watching the Matt Hardy of old, you know, the Matt Hardy from 1999 to, you know, 2001, um, told a pretty decent story from start to finish for this segment of the match, and, and it made, they did a good job of making you believe that Matt could, you know, was gonna get the pinfall here, but of course, you know, that was not to be as Ricochet would counter a twist of fate and catch him with a schoolboy roll-up for another elimination. And then out next was Humberto Carrillo, and that's when the momentum of the match really, really kicked into high gear. Because these two tore the damn house down for the whatever amount of time that they went out. It was felt like like 15-20 minutes, you know, and it was great, and I, I loved it. It was the most exciting part of that match. And eventually, Humberto Came out on top and pinned Ricochet to get the elimination. And then the final participant of the gauntlet to, would come out and it was Andrade. But that segment of the match did not actually get underway. Because Andrade snuck in from behind after Zelina Vega had been standing on stage, I guess, to, to distract Umberto Carrillo. And yeah, he snuck in from behind, beat the shit out of Umberto. Dragged him to the outside of the ring, pulled the mat off the floor and hit him with the hammerlock DDT on the concrete. And that shit looked... Brutal. Like, it looked like he really, like, right on the floor. Uh, and then Rey Mysterio came out, you know, because he was watching backstage throughout the whole match to check on Umberto to make sure he was okay. And then the EMTs were taking him out. And then Seth Rollins decided to come out with the AOP. And they beat the shit out of Rey Mysterio because apparently he had cut a promo earlier talking about he was going to, you know, settle some debts or whatever. And, yeah, they fucked up Miss Rey pretty, pretty good. You know, using the pipe that Rey had given Kevin Owens, you know, last week. So, yeah. And then the whole time Seth was saying to Ray that, you know, it didn't have to come to this or some shit like that. And then Seth started to exit the ring and he quickly came back in to hit the curb stop on Ray. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we're going to get with Seth and AOP going forward is him collecting debts, I guess. And then backstage, Charlie Caruso, who, I gotta say, was looking extra good tonight. Or, or, that, or extra good that night, rather. Uh, see? When I start thinking about her, I mix up my words. Anyways, um, yeah, she caught up with Seth backstage, and where he challenged Ray for a United States Championship match for this coming week's Raw, which is happening on my birthday, December 23rd, so that's a nice little gift for me. Happy birthday to me. And then up next after that, we had Asuka versus Diana Perrazzo from NXT, which I definitely did not expect at all to see on this episode of Raw, but was very happy to see it because... I love me some Diana Parazzo. Uh, it was a very good, hard-hitting fight that I really wish we could see a lot more of from the women's division in WWE, and I know I'm not the only one that would love to see that. And Asuka eventually came out on top with this one. But it was a very good match, and I highly recommend that you guys check it out if you haven't. 
And after the match, we had a sit-down interview Becky with Becky Lynch backstage. And side note, I just want to say, I really love when they do these sit-down interview segments. And I really wish that they would, they would do them more often, because I, I don't know, I really love them. Anyway, the interview was basically just, you know, running down everything Becky Lynch had done over the last, you know, 18 months. Um, and then she brought up how she has never, she has never defeated Asuka. And called her out, basically, to say, you know, that she needs to beat her. You know, kind of like, you know, like she, like, oh, I guess like, a, like she's not complete until she defeats her. You know, so I guess we're gonna see, you know, her in a women's title match, you know, either on a upcoming episode of Raw, or probably they're gonna save that for the Royal Rumble next month. You know, we'll see. Uh, and then we had the main event, Randy Orton versus A. Jay Styles, a rematch from WrestleMania 35 that I don't think anybody decided to had bothered to mention on commentary except for Samoa Joe, I believe. But you know, because the rest of the the whole night they kept saying, "Oh, main event anywhere in the world," you know. Yeah, that got very old very quickly. But you know, they had a very good match at WrestleMania, so we all anticipated that they would have another very good match on here. Um, however. I wouldn't know how good the match was overall because I spent most of it in the bathroom because my my at, as soon as the opening bell rang my bladder decided to say fuck this match and but I did catch the last five minutes uh, with Orin catching Styles with an RKO from out of nowhere for the win and then a brawl with the OC and the Viking Raiders decided to happen uh, so yeah I mean it was a decent raw overall but as always could have been much much better. And I'm hopeful that this coming week's Raw will be much better, and then Raw on December 30th will be even better than that one, and will be a good way to close 2019 for the WWE. And Friday Night Smackdown. Yeah, um, yeah, I gotta be honest with you guys. Uh, I barely paid attention to SmackDown this week. I've, I've, I'm sorry, I really am. I mean, I and I, I love and I love SmackDown. I love watching SmackDown. I usually usually SmackDown is the one like main WWE show that I pay attention to from start to finish. But just I don't know something about this week. I just did not really. I just barely focus on it. And I mean, honestly, other than the segments with Otis and Mandy Rose, which I I did love those segments, and I am very curious to see how they follow up with that this week. Nothing really stood out enough to me, you know, so, sorry. And that is going to do it for this episode of the Minutites Podcast that I really hope you enjoyed listening to me go on and on about TLC and Raw and barely say anything about SmackDown. Uh, hope you heard what I liked, or or you liked what I what you heard, rather. Really, it's getting late, I gotta finish this up. Uh, and if you didn't enjoy it, you tuned in anyway, so thank y'all very much. Um, and that's, that's actually going to be my last regular podcast episode for 2019. Yeah, because, uh, you know, coming up for the, re the remainder of the month, I have my classic wrestling pay-per-view coming on the 28th, discussing Starcade 1997, and then on December 30th, my last upload for the year. It will be uh, my worst to best segment, but it's not really worst to best. I'll be ranking what I believe to be the best films of the decade from 2019 to 
or rather from 2010 to 2019 ranking the best match or best match see i am so confusing myself right now sorry the best movie from each year best movie of 2010 2011 2012 2013 2014 2015 2016 2017 2018 2019 exhale i hope you enjoy those i really do um and then check out my other retro film reviews and my other worst to best rankings and my classic wrestling pay-per-views and other film reviews and other regular podcast episodes all can be found right here in the archives on this channel on the podcast blah, blah, blah. and as always make sure you subscribe to the podcast on spotify google Podcasts, Castbox, radio public youtube anywhere else that you can find it you know, if you can find if you can find me on Podbean, great. If you can find me on TuneIn, Stitcher, one of those, that's great, awesome. Uh, follow me on Twitter at IamFositude for all the podcast updates. Follow me on Instagram at Fositude for the fun photos and memes that I post on there. Follow me on Vero at Fositude for everything else that I do on there. And subscribe, sorry, support the podcast. Hey, again, I'm telling you, it's late. I gotta get gotta get to bed. Support the podcast, donating to my Hall of Justice on Patreon for $5 a month. Link is in the description below. Check out the Menetites Podcast Store for fun shirts, stickers, and wall art. Link to that is in the description of this podcast as well. And as always, thank you all so much for tuning in, for subscribing, for listening. I love and appreciate every single one of you. I truly and truly do. I hope you have had a wonderful weekend and that you will have an even better week. Um, whether you're celebrating Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Boxing Day, whatever is your is your holiday, hope you have the best, 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 best day ever. Um, spend it with your loved ones if you can. Happy holidays, everyone! This has been the Manatee's Podcast. I am Julian, and I will see you all next time. Bye bye.